This is the final message of uh, this series on faith-filled prayer. We considered for the first three weeks uh, the messages prepared uh, by Jason Elmsmore through Queensland Baptist and then these past few weeks we've looked at that ongoing reason for prayer in our lives. And so this morning I want to uh, focus on a prayer of Paul. Paul. Paul prayed many prayers but a part of a prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 to 21. I love stories. I love looking for stories. I love for stories of the meeting and, um, and I hope that uh, some of these meanings stick with you uh, and remind you that uh, God uses all sorts of things to prick our memory, to challenge us about his purposes for our lives. I want to tell you this story about a, a genie in a bottle. Uh, it's not true, by the way. I haven't found one yet. One day a young man found a a, a genie in a bottle as he walked along the beach and he rubs it and guess what? What pops out? What happens, Jeff? Pop. Um, A genie pops out. And the genie says, thank you for for freeing me from the lamp and in return I grant you three wishes. The man says, great. I always dreamed of this and I know exactly what I want. First, I want a billion dollars in a Swiss account, Swiss bank account. Pop, this piece of paper appears with a billion dollars in the Swiss bank accounts. And secondly, he says, oh, I want a brand new red Ferrari right here. Red Ferrari right next to him. And then he says, finally, I want to be irresistible to women. Guess what? A box of chocolates appeared on the table next to him. <laughs> so the, the, the gist of the story is we've got, to, we've got to be careful what we wish for, isn't it? You know? But we don't wish with God. We don't wish with God. We come before God and we ask him sincerely, trusting that we know his will when we ask on behalf of ourselves or on behalf of other people. But we do need to be careful what we pray for. We do need to be careful what we pray for. And if it's just a selfish prayer, I suspect that God's not going to answer that one. We do need to be praying according to God's will. That's the model that Jesus gave to us. And today, Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And I trust that we might take some of the elements of this prayer, not only for ourselves, but as we pray for one another in the church. Paul starts off at the beginning of chapter 3 by saying this, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... so." So he was starting that part of the letter, reminding them that he was a prisoner for their sake. He was starting that part of the letter for them. And as he continues on through that part of the letter that we have as chapter 3, he sort of goes off on tangents. You know, those big long sentences that if we were reading them out, we'd have to take a breath halfway through. Um, But just thought after thought that God brings to his heart and his mind, he's getting it written down, he writes it down. He talks about his own calling to ministry. He talks about his mission to preach Christ, the gospel, to the Gentiles. He talks about the fact that even though he is called to such a great task, he's actually writing this letter from prison. Did he know that God was going to put him in prison? No. All he did was respond to God's call on his life, no matter what the future happened. 
So to encourage the church, he says to them, don't lose hope, don't stop praying. And that's where we pick up this passage today. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, this is what Paul writes. He's just mentioned all that previously, all the things that God had called him to, his mission, his challenge, the fact that he's writing it from prison. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his inner spirit, through his spirit in your inner being. Does anybody want to be prayed for in that way? You can pray for me that way every day if you like. Pray that God will give us strength through his power by his spirit in us every day. Pray that for one another. If you're, if you're using the church directory to pray through that directory for people in the church, pray that God's power by his spirit would be present in that person's life that day. He goes on. He prays for that so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Pray that God's spirit will be powerfully in you so that you know the presence of Christ in your heart, in your life, through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Anybody want to be prayed for that way today? Absolutely. And, he says, I pray to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, those big things outside the box, the video is reminding us of, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. We often use that as a benediction, don't we, at the end of a service. But this is the prayer that Paul was praying for the Gentile church, for the believers in Ephesians, that we can pray for one another. What a great prayer. Paul prayed that the Ephesians would have power. You know that word power is the word dunamis in the Greek and we get our word dynamite from it. So it's that power to change, power to move, power to do something. That's the word behind it. Paul's praying that that we'll have this motivation, this power, this choice, this willingness to allow God to do something. There's three things that he tells us in this passage that I'm going to focus on this morning. There's more than that, but there's three that I'm going to focus on that remind us that we have this power to do something, that we can do it because God's Spirit's in us. The first one this morning is that we have the power to dwell. Verse 17 reminds us, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you know that Jesus is in your life? you know that Jesus is in your heart? He's not in the blood pumper. He's in you, your life. Do you know that for sure? By God's spirit in your life, you have that power to live or let Christ live in your life. It's conditional though. The condition is that we make room for him. We can say, come in Lord Jesus, but if we don't allow him in to our life fully, he can't have his full way with us. 
Paul prays that the Ephesians would have power so that through faith they would be, have the ability to make room in their hearts for Christ. The word dwell means to make a dwelling place or to have a dwelling place. So we are saying, come and live with me, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, when we surrender our lives to him. We do that, that moment that we step from the the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, that moment that we say, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the one who went to the cross for me, paid the price for my sin. From that moment, we invite Jesus to come in. But there's an ongoing daily surrender, a daily response which says, I want you to keep on coming in. Not just receiving him as a saviour, but allowing him to be the boss, the Lord, the master in our lives. It's not if Christ is in you, but how comfortable is he in our hearts and our lives? How welcomed is he into our hearts and lives? So this morning, you may be asking, Has, have I made Jesus Lord of my life? What does it mean to make sure that I haven't confined him to a single room but allowed him to have full access to my life? Like I said, it's a daily journal, a daily journey. He's not a house guest when we come to faith in Jesus. He becomes the head of the household. He's no longer a house guest. He's now the head of the household of our lives. There's a chap who wrote a, a little book a few years ago by the name of Robert Munger and I've got a printed copy of it. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. And he says this. I'm not sure if you can read it but I'll read it to you. Without question, one of the most remarkable Christian doctrines is that Jesus Christ himself, through the Holy Spirit, will actually enter into a heart, as in, into your life, settle down and be at home there. Christ will live in any human heart that welcomes him. He will live in any human heart that welcomes him. In his booklet, here, someone's tried to draw a picture of his booklet and it looks like this. Okay? He talks about life as a house different rooms for different purposes. And in the library he talks about, which is our mind, Jesus finds rubbish and all sorts of worthless things and proceeds to throw them out and replace them with his word if we let him. Is that true? If we let him. In the dining room, that's the dining room of appetite, he finds many sinful desires listed on a worldly menu but in place of things such as prestige or materialism or lust, he puts humility, meekness, love and all the other virtues that we as believers are supposed to hunger after. I wonder if that's true for you. Have you seen Jesus replacing those things in your living room of appetite or your dining room of appetite? In the living room of fellowship, Munger writes, where toys are being made, where they're being put into the cupboard, where hidden sins are kept, he comes in and he wants to clean out every cupboard, wants to clean out every hidden place. If we let him. If we let him. Only then, when he has cleaned every room and every cupboard, can he truly settle in and be comfortable in your life. That doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing because he's got a plan for our life but he wants to come in and invade every aspect of our lives. How does that work out? And I found this story 
about uh, Joseph Bow. That's his wife, Rebecca. But Joseph Bow was born on the 18th of June, 1920, in Krakow, in Poland. He became a young man just in time to experience the German invasion of Poland. He is one of three boys in a prosperous, middle-class Jewish family that lived in one of the wealthiest neighbourhoods. Joseph had always been good at art and at the age of 18 he enrolled in the University of Arts in Krakow. But the war interrupted his his studies. His family was forced to move to the Jewish ghetto and then later to Plaszkow, which was a concentration camp. But because of Joseph's partial education in art before the war and because of his talent in Gothic lettering, he was used by the uh, Germans to produce maps and signs for the camp. He was also given a job which enabled him to save more than 400 Jews by forging false documents and identity papers. That secured their release from the camp. Joseph Bauer would have been killed in that camp had it not been for this other fellow, Oscar Schindler. You've probably seen the movie Schindler's List. And at the end of the movie of Schindler's List, you may recall, Bao himself places the stone on the grave. Someone asked him at the end of the war why he didn't forge documents for himself. He replied, then then who would have done it for the other Jews? So he knew that allowing God to be in control of his life meant serving God. He knew it could have meant dying for God and yet he gave his life in that service. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, there was a similar question asked by some of the people looking on. He saved others, why can't he save himself? And Jesus answers, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus was prepared to go to the cross for us. He was obedient to the point of death. He gave up everything for us. We must be willing to do the same, to lay down everything, to let him into every room of our house for him to do, have his will with us. I pray that you will have that power to dwell, that power to let Jesus dwell in your hearts day by day. I pray that he would be the Lord of your life, not just Saviour of your life. What else does Paul pray for? He prays for the power to grasp in verse 18. Verse 18 says, following on from verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. What we understand is probably just a smidgen, isn't it? What we understand of the love of Christ for us is just a smidgen. And I hope that the longer we walk with Jesus, the more we understand of the love of Christ that might motivate us to serve. Paul is asking that they might have a clear understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus, the love of God shown to them. This word sacrifice is the word that says um, to take. It's that to take, that you might grasp, sorry, not the word sacrifice, the word grasp is to take you might take hold of that sacrifice, that love of God and make it your own. Have you ever noticed that sometimes things that appear small end up being really, really big? Some jobs that you think, oh, get that done in no time at all, take hours, 
You know, I can remember one house we lived in, we cut down this old tree and I thought, won't take long to get that tree stump out. I was still going a few weeks later, I'm sure. To grasp how wide, high, long and deep is and the love of Christ is like that. It's, it sounds simple. To accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour because we're eating on the cross sounds simple. But the enormity of it all is amazing when you start to understand and grasp hold of it. It changes our lives forever. Only through God's power are we able to comprehend God's love and understand it and know that the love of God is infinite. It's for eternity. How big is God's love for us? We need to understand the price that Jesus paid and we've looked at that today. And these are familiar verses, aren't they? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know that verse. But that was a big act by God so that we might know the love of God. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no man than this than he laid down his life for his friends. I trust that we will recognise how much we need a saviour day by day. But I also pray that we'll have that power to grasp the fact that Jesus needs to be Lord of our lives and experience the love of God every day. You know, I pray for Christmas carols times because in a lot of the uh, Bible-based Christmas carols, carols, there are words of truth there that I think people sing because it's a carol, but do they really take it in? Rejoice, a Saviour has been born to you in Bethlehem. That Saviour was born for the whole world, wasn't he? Yet the whole world doesn't realise that they need rescuing, just like we've seen earlier. It's sort of like um, wearing seatbelts. You know, uh, when, when our kids were little, it was often a battle to get the seatbelts on because they didn't think they needed them. But we loved them enough to make sure that they put them on and kept them safe. I wonder if, if people don't realise, I believe many people don't realise that God loves the world enough to send a saviour but they haven't accepted that for themselves yet. Jesus in Luke chapter 15 told three stories about lost things and those three stories were to remind us that God cares, God loves. Do you remember what they were? What was the first story? The story of the lost what? Sheep, the lost sheep, the shepherd left 99 to go and find the one that was lost. He searched high and low and finally he found it when he got back they had a party. God's still in the business of doing that. If you have uh, friends and loved ones, family members, God's still in the business of sending out the shepherd to search for them. What was the second lost thing in that chapter? The lost coin. The uh, lady had lost this coin and she turned her house upside down and finally she found it. She was so excited. She calls in her neighbours and threw them another party. I like this idea of throwing parties you know, in, in the Gospels. The third story is the story of the lost who? Son, the lost son. We, we often call it the prodigal son. The son moves away from home, takes his inheritance, squanders it, comes home and the father runs to welcome him home and reinstates him as son. These stories remind us that God is in the business of wanting his love to be known and experienced by people throughout our world today. Still, it's never going to stop until Jesus comes back. 
And he gives us the privilege of being able to share that with people. So we've got to grasp that, 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 that we've got to have that power to grasp God's love so that it might be reflected in our own lives. And the third thing that I want to talk about is that we have the power... Oh, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. There we are. Oh, look at that. PowerPoint works. We've talked about how God's love is long. It's long enough that it lasts forever. Never going to stop. God's love is wide. Wide enough to be everywhere. When uh, Jesus opened his arms on the cross, he opened them to welcome anybody who would come to him through faith. People don't have to feel alone. They don't have to be alone because Christ is with them. That's how wide God's love is. God's love is deep, deep enough to handle everything, no matter what problem it is, you can bring it to God. You can trust him for the outcome. You might say every now and then, I really feel as I'm in the pits today. There's no pit so deep enough that God can't be there with you and to help you out of it. God's love is high. High enough to overlook all our mistakes. No matter how big that mistake might have been, God's love is high enough to forgive. He loves to help you start over. How big is your love for God? You know, uh, one of the examples we use of love is, is a husband's love for their wife. I found this story about a guy who wanted to uh, propose to his wife, so he got a plane up in the air and put a big banner on it and um, flew it over a park where they were having lunch that day. Judy accepted his proposal, by the way. How can you say no to love like that, she said. Not all of us get that creative, do we? But God has given us this sign of his love in the person of Jesus, in the the cross that Jesus went to, for us as followers of Jesus. And how can people say no to a love like that? They can if they've never heard about it. They can if they've never seen God's love in action. And that's our responsibility. I want to share with you a, a comment that was made about who we are in Christ. We sang a song this morning, In Christ Alone. And this particular author wrote, put, jotted some thoughts down and this is what he said about who we are in Christ. He says, In Christ we have a love that can never be fathomed, a life that can never die, a righteousness that can never be tarnished, a rest that can never be disturbed. In Christ we have a joy that can never be diminished, a hope that never can be disappointed, a glory that can never be clouded, a light that can never be darkened, a purity that can never be defiled. These are all ours in Christ. In Christ we can have a a beauty that can never be marred. Oh, where did that go? Next one. Done, done. A wisdom that can never be baffled and resources that never can be exhausted. Do we realise what we have and who we are in Christ? That's that power to grasp that Paul was trying to encourage in his readers and us today. One, uh, one pastor and author says, no one can be apathetic in the face of God's love. It is the most powerful force there is. We've just got to grasp it and run with it. Finally this morning, the third element that Paul prays for that um, 
I'd like to share with you is ah, catching up. There, the power to know. Verse 19 says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's not just about understanding God, it's about experiencing God's power, God's love. And that word in the Greek means to, it's more than intellectual agreement, it's that interaction with God, to know him in a personal and intimate way. God loves you so much that he wants to have a relationship with you. You and I know that. We have to be the vessels that takes that message to those around about us, that God loves people so much that he wants to have a relationship with them. You're not on this earth to make money. You're not on this earth to retire and die. You're on this earth to share with people the love of God, to show people that they can have a relationship with God. That needs to be evident in our lives. One of the things that ticked off the religious leaders of Jesus' day was that, that he was promoting, preaching, living out an intimate and personal relationship with his heavenly Father, the one true God. And none of their teaching encouraged that. Jesus was living it out and his followers were living it out as well. They might, um, well they were encouraged to, to pray to our Father in heaven. Not some highfalutin uh, uh, Hebrew terminology describing God that was very um, manufactured. It was that personal and intimate relationship. If your kids came home to you and you said, oh, wonderful mum who is the procreator of our family, you'd go, what? But if they came home and said, mum, I'm so glad that you're my mum, you'd listen to them, wouldn't you? We have the privilege of coming before our Heavenly Father and calling him Dad, Abba. That's what this love relationship is about. A lot of people put up arguments or put up excuses and say, oh, I belong to this religion or I belong to that religion or I'm, I'm an atheist. God still wants to have a relationship with them today but they don't know about it yet. And our responsibility is to tell them that no matter what they believe, no matter if they've done some awful stuff in their lives, God still wants to have a relationship with them through faith in Jesus. There's nothing you can do that will make him love you any less. There's an atheist in, I'm going to finish with this last story. There's an atheist in a certain village. He was not a terrible person. He just had no interest in going to the boring traditional church that was the only one in the village. That was his opinion. One day, the church caught on fire. Whoop, where are we? There. And the whole town ran toward it to help extinguish the flames, including the village atheist. Someone called out, hey, this is something new for you. It's the first time we've ever seen you running to the church. He replied, it's the first time I've ever had to run to the church because it's the first time I've ever seen the church on fire. He wasn't. He was talking about literally. Do Jesus see us in our walk? Do people see us in our walk with Jesus as people who know the love of God, who are on fire because of the love of God? And I think it would change people's opinions if they saw the love of God in action. And that's what Paul was praying for. So my prayer for you this morning 
is this. That Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. That Jesus would be Lord of your life. I pray that you would not only understand or grasp God's love, but that you would know that love in a powerful and personal way. I pray that for me too. I pray that for all of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this prayer of Paul. It was for the Ephesians, but we know it was for us too. And we know it's given us uh, guidelines on how we can pray for one another. Lord, help us when we are struggling to know what to pray, to go back to your word and pray this way for our family or our loved ones or for our church or our community that we might come to that place where God is everything in our lives and that others will know it as well. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the call to prayer. Thank you for the examples of prayer that we've looked at over the recent weeks. Thank you for the incentive to pray. And we ask, Father, that you'll open our eyes so that we'll see you at work in our lives and in other people's lives around about us. Be able to give you all the glory and the honour that is due to your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody wants to talk with me about something I've shared this morning, please call up.